Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Tuesday morning. It is the 30th of January. I'm Michelle Martin. Joining me as we break down all the market action. How's Tuesday looking, Ryan Huang? Looking pretty good and looking pretty busy for you because you've got a night packed of events. Yes, I look forward to seeing all of you who registered for Infinity Financial Advisories Investment Outlook 2024. Everybody wants to know. The Fed's going to cut rates. What does that mean for me? Should I park my cash in fixed income products and just wait? Is that the best um, possible thing I could do with my money? Equities, we've seen stock markets go through the roof. So is the old adage, what comes up must come down, apply here? Is this a good time to enter the market? So a lot to talk about. So many questions and Ooh. you will have all the answers, Michelle. I will have all the questions. Right <laughs> <on>. <laughs> all right. And what's Tuesday looking like for you? Uh, looking pretty busy. Of course, tomorrow we will be at Asia Square as well. It's a busy week for us and we are celebrating our sixth birthday. So we will be in the middle of town saying hi <laughs> to you. And there are prizes to be won. And of course, you can meet us. Ask us questions. Hopefully, you've got answers for you. And I suppose it's always good to be out and about, a bit of routine, putting faces to names and getting in touch with our regular listeners. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, so that's happening tomorrow. Um, who's turning six? It's not Ryan. It is Money FM that's turning six. Wow. My kid's six years old. So oh my, my kid's gosh. as old as a station. <laughs> <gasps> what does that say? Mm. All right, let's start this morning with a story that is really rocking financial markets. A judge in Hong Kong has ordered the liquidation of China Evergrande, a developer that was once considered, you remember we talked about this, too big to fail. The China Evergrande saga began began more than two years ago when the Chinese developer could not pay its bills and was forced to halt projects across China. China Evergrande has more than 300 billion US dollars of debt. Just this weekend, lawyers were scrambling to reach a last-minute settlement to keep the company alive. That didn't happen. So, okay, in the wake of this uh, order for liquidation by this Hong Kong court, what happens now? Yeah, this is really the poster boy for all things wrong in China when it comes to property. We are talking about liabilities to the tune of over 200 billion US dollars. And they had to go through Hong Kong courts to figure out what to do next. And Hong Kong courts said, you guys need to liquidate. And then now the next step is, are they going to liquidate? Because a lot of the assets are not in Hong Kong. It's also not in, I suppose, um, jurisdiction when it comes to Chinese Cause as well to some extent. So you have to, I guess, ask the question will Chinese authorities respect the Hong Kong court rulings? Will they exercise it to the full extent and liquidate all assets in mainland China, Mm-mm. which is quite a hefty bit? And you're talking about unfinished buildings. Some of them may be finished, some of them in various stages. And the Chinese government has in recent times said we are going to prioritize finishing these buildings. By the way, these are paid buildings, uh, people that have paid for their homes, waiting for their homes. Can you imagine if they liquidate it halfway through, these guys are likely not going to see their homes anytime soon. So they're going to try to prioritize finishing these projects. So they've got a way between obeying the Hong Kong court ruling versus doing the stuff they want or need to do to keep the social unrest from getting out of control. So it's a tough one for them to 
figure out and navigate. So they've got to be quite mm-hmm. creative with this. Yeah, lots of eyes going to be on the uh, priorities uh, that we see unfolding from this court order. Now, we talked on this show once before about the Hong Kong judge that is hearing these uh, mainland bankruptcy cases. Her name is Linda Chan, and her small courtroom on the 12th floor of Hong Kong's high court has skyrocketed to prominence. Yesterday, Chan noted that China Evergrande has had a year and a half to come up with a concrete debt restructuring plan but has been unable to do so. Enough is enough, she told the court, before ruling that China Evergrande must be wound up. Is this actually the end of China Evergrande? Yeah, I suppose you have to wait to see what happens to the multiple various subsidiaries that Evergrande has, which ones might be liquidated. And if you look at the process, it's not going to be straightforward. It's quite a huge company. If it does get liquidated, you can imagine it's going to take quite some time for them to navigate who is prioritized, which other creditors they will get their monies back if they do get liquidated as well. So there is, going by what I'm seeing, reports speculating that it's going to drag out for quite some time. So the other question is how much the Chinese government is going to step in. Will they try to build out the company? Um, so that's also a bit of a question mark because they've been trying to be a bit hands-off to let market forces work their way and weed out the unhealthier businesses to leave the stronger ones behind. So that's a bit of a question mark as well. So it's a tough one. In Hong Kong trade yesterday, China Evergrande plunged another 21% before trade in the shares was suspended. In China, the major indices finished about 1% to 2% lower. Not a lot, but perhaps they would have finished down even more if not for new Chinese regulations that actually make it more difficult to short Chinese stocks. Uh, we should also note that the order to close down only affects the Hong Kong-listed China Evergrande unit, the company's mainland and other overseas units. Units are separate legal entities. So you really got to, you have to get to the legal nitty gritties to understand the story as it's playing out. I think the big question on many investors' minds this morning is will there be global consequences? China Evergrande doesn't quite dominate headlines the way it used to, but does that mean that the impact of this giant in China's property market, the impact of its fall, uh, will not be as great? What do you think? Yeah, I think you've got some reflection already of what you outline investors selling first and asking questions later pretty much. So if you just look at the drop in share prices of Evergrande, it's now trading at around 16 Hong Kong cents. At its high when it was, you know, giving its IPO back in 2009, it was at $3.50. So it's far and away really dropping big time since those days. And then the bonds are now trading at 1.5 cents on the dollar So you've got investors really pessimistic about the outlook for Evergrande. And I suppose there is some cause for concern when you look at the potential implications. If a huge company like Evergrande goes under, it has knock-on impact on a lot of adjacent industries. You're talking about real estate agents, the stuff that needs to be used for construction, the construction workers. No, there are so many services that are tied to the wider industry. So if Evergrande sets off a bit of a crisis, you can imagine it's going to have a knock-on impact on the wider Chinese economy. So we'll have to see how much of Evergrande, if it does get liquidated, does get liquidated. So that is a big question mark that might keep people on their toes when it comes to exposure to China. In the months after China Evergrande ran out of cash, 
Many investors actually stepped in to buy the company's debt at a discount, of course. They expected Beijing would step in to save China Evergrande. As the New York Times writes, those bets now appear misguided. Well, another type of betting has taken center stage on Wall Street this morning. Sports betting, a British company called Flutter, has listed on the New York Stock Exchange. What's the latest with Flutter? Yeah, Flutter, if you're not familiar, is another gambling company. The bigger one that you might be familiar in the headlines in recent days or recent times is DraftKings. So Flutter is going for a US listing on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is a secondary listing and this will see it retain its primary listing on the London Stock Exchange and its inclusion in the FTSE 100 index. So all in, you can kind of see it as a way for them to get more exposure profile-wise in the US for American investors. And it does make sense because it is seeing a lot of revenue and growth in the US, which is pretty much Flutter's most important market. If you look at just the fourth quarter, FanDuel had 43% market share based on gross revenue. And this is something they are looking forward to growing as the next year unfolds. That's it. So FanDuel is the parent company. Actually, Flutter is the parent company of FanDuel. It is the second major online sports gambling brand to trade on the US markets. DraftKings, actually the first. So why do you think Flutter is listing in the US? I suppose they are looking at more funds that you want to use to raise for the expansion plans. So that's one reason. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if you look at the potential for further upside, that is another reason. If you look at what the report from Jeffries is saying, mm-hmm. they believe that the New York Stock Exchange listing could be a short-term catalyst for Flutter. They are assuming a 20% premium to DraftKings valuation because of FanDuel's what they call sustained market share outperformance. So being in the US market, being exposed to US investors could mark a, in some sense, new chapter for Flutter Mm -hmm. to get more funding and to get a better valuation. The research house Jefferies expects there to be a lot of interest in Flutter shares. In fact, Jeffrey thinks the US listing could give the stock a big boost to £210 per share. That's about 25% higher than where it is trading now. Let's bring the conversation to Singapore, where several real estate investment trusts are reporting earnings. The numbers are a mixed bag. I want to start with a REIT that's doing pretty well. Capital and Ascot Trust is reporting a 14% rise in its second half distributions. What What's powering the strong performance here, Capital and Ascot Trust? Yeah, so the managers are citing growth based on stronger performance and contributions from new properties. And we are looking at an increase of revenue from its existing portfolio and also contributions from acquisitions to the tune of $18.2 million. So this is the good news. The not so good news is that this was partially offset by a drop in revenue from the divestment of four French properties last year in September. On the flip side of the board, Capital and India Trust, not doing so well. It's reporting a 21% drop in distributions. Let's look a little closer. What do you think could be behind its poor performance? Okay, a couple of things here. So Capital and India Trust is citing a drop in distributable income due to higher finance costs. And this is a familiar theme if you've been tracking what REITs overseas have been exposed to. Also weighing on it is the enlarged unit base following the preferential offering as well as the appreciation of the Sing dollar 
against the Indian rupee in the past year. So that's putting pressure on its DPU. One more REIT to shine a light on this morning, OUE REIT. Its revenue has jumped 16%, but the REIT's distributions to unit holders are flat. No change at all. I can't imagine investors are too happy about that. So do we know why OUE REIT's distributions are not going up in line with its earnings? No, it does look quite stable at least. So you've got looking at the bright side of things, higher revenue and net property income due to what they cite as Stronger operational performance of a Singapore portfolio driven by full room inventory of Hilton Singapore Orchard. So you are seeing tourists coming in and going to many hotels in Singapore. And that's good news for it. And you've got also valuations of its various hotel properties doing pretty okay. So it's benefiting from the increased hospitality sector post-pandemic. Um, valuations of its Singapore offices remain stable. Mm-hmm. But... There are some macroeconomic uncertainties that it sees that will weigh on Singapore's economy in the coming year. So that's, I suppose, a bit of a measured outlook for the REIT. Let's check in on U.S. markets now. The S&P 500 set another new record overnight, rising 0.8% to 49.27. The Nasdaq did even better. It finished up more than 1%. It is now time for corporate news. And we do it up or down style. Let us start with my favorite site to shop at, Amazon. Yeah, and your favorite vacuum cleaner, the Roomba. (laughs) Yeah, you've converted me. Yeah, so this is... Well, bad news for at least iRobot, which makes the Roomba. So they're hoping to be yeah. bought out by Amazon. Yeah. That deal is off the table Uh-oh. because they are not looking optimistic about getting approval for the deal from the European Union. So with that not looking likely, Amazon said, no thanks, we'll you know, buy something else. That's pretty much what happened. Plus, iRobot, bad news cutting jobs in the wake of the announcement, about 31% of his workforce, about 350 jobs. Uh-oh. So I might be keen to still try iRobot, but Amazon has abandoned its plans to buy the maker of the Roomba iRobot. Uh, this comes after the European regulators threatened to block the 1.4 billion US dollar debt. So I'd say it's down for Amazon as well. Investors hardly seem to notice. Amazon shares still finish up more than 1% overnight. Shares of iRobot, though, did tank uh, down nearly 9%. Let's look at Philips, the Dutch healthcare company. All right, Philips is an up for me. It did deliver strong full-year results. So I am looking at things like strong sales growth, improved margins, Mm -hmm. and strong cash flow through the past year. And this is looking good. So I'm going for an up for Philips. Okay, I was looking at a different piece of news though. So... Philips has agreed to stop selling devices that treat sleep apnea. There are concerns that the foam used to reduce noise from the devices could be toxic. So I look at that as a possible down for Philips. Next up, let's look at India's Adani Green. All right. Adani Green is raking it in. Its third quarter profit more than doubled from a year earlier, Mm. helped by what they cite as robust power sales to customers and higher capacity utilization. So good news for Adani. And for Indian billionaire Gautam Adani, remember it wasn't that long ago Adani was under huge market pressure, right, from that Hindenburg market research report. That was almost one year ago to the day. Adani's share price has nearly quadrupled since then. 
Though it does have a little bit further to go before it can redeem its, uh, regain, I should say, its pre-Hindenburg value. For our last entry, let's turn to Singapore once again with UMS Holdings. Mm, I'm going with up for this. So it's in the news because it's raising $51.6 million from a placement of new shares, 40 million new shares at $1.29. So good news because this will give it more capacity or at least more funds to do more business. So it's going to be going towards things like future KPEX, working capital, potential investments, joint ventures, and maybe even acquisitions. So I would say an up based on that. Yeah, UMS is a precision engineering company raising more than $50 million in new share placement. Uh, and that placement being made at a price of $1.29 per share, a discount of about 7% to UMS's um, price last week. So I'd say Sounds like a down for UMS in the near term, but potentially an up for um, UMS as it invests in with the funds. For our last word today, let's head to the movies, Ryan, where a re-release of a movie is really setting records. It's grossed more than 54 million US dollars, making it the best-selling non-English film in the US. I am talking about Godzilla that has surpassed the Korean film Parasite for the record. There's a twist. This re-release of Godzilla is in black and white. It's called Godzilla Minus One or Godzilla Minus colour. Removing colour, really uh, an attempt to recapture that old feel of the 1954 original Godzilla movie. What do you think? Are you a fan of these giant creatures that eat people? I am trying to wrap my head around this. I'm not a big Godzilla fan, but it does look like it has a huge following and you pointed out it's ranking it big time at the box office. And we are talking about beating really big Movies um, like Parasite, which was a big hit. You've got Hero also being beaten by Godzilla. So it's just behind Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at number one. And number two is Life is Beautiful. I'm not sure if I'll watch Godzilla. It's probably the same story as it is before. A oh, you've seen that monster one? That goes on a rampage through the city. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. A post-war Japan, that's where it's set. And post-war Japan at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a big giant monster uh, that has uh, the horrific power of the atomic bomb. Hmm. I would watch it if they had a crossover sort of like Marvel versus Godzilla (laughs) and then you've got Spider-Man somehow in the movie. (laughs) All right, so Ryan's not going to give, I don't know how much it is now, $12.50 to the... No, I'll watch it on streaming if it does come. Yeah, me too, I think. All right, well, that is where we are going to end this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. 27 minutes past nine. I'll see you all tonight at the Infinity FA event. For those of you who have signed up for our Global Investment Outlook uh, discussion. And then tomorrow, Ryan will be at China. No, where are we going to be? Oh, we'll be at Asia Square. Asia Square. You'll be there at 11.30. 11. 11.30 onwards and followed by Michelle. So... Michelle fans out there, you know where to find her. <laughs> 1 p.m. Do come down. I think we'll be there the whole day tomorrow, right? We'll be there. Various presenters will be there. So we'll be there from 10 till about 3. All right. All right. So lots. Uh, come on down, meet us, win some great prizes as well. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.